0: When well, we finish up Revelation chapter 2 tonight, we're over in verse 18, looking at the church of Thyatira, the smallest of the churches, the longest of the letters. Interesting contrast, not sure why none of these letters are really long, but this one just tends to be a, a, a little bit longer than the, than the other one. The most famous resident of the church of Thyatira, you probably know, though you may not know, that they are a resident of the city. Come to you in just a little bit, though. In Acts chapter 16, and verse 14, now a certain woman named Lydia Lydia. heard us. She was a seller of purple from the city of Thyatira, who worshiped God. The Lord opened her heart to heed the things spoken by Paul. So that's one of the more famous residents we have of the city. It is a a fairly small city. It's not too far from Pergamos. It's actually part of the Pergamum Empire when that was uh, around. Verse 18, and to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a fa- flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. In Daniel chapter 10, I believe it was verse 6, we looked at before, it was either 6 or 16. <clears throat> when we pulled that out, we saw that this was the description we had of the Lord then. Now when you see fire and when you see brass, it's depicting an image of judgment. Yeah, very much. We have a picture. <laughs> this, is, this is not a good thing. We don't want to... S- oh, we have last week's... I guess the other ones are still over there by the um, cutter. I didn't bring them over. Fancy that. Didn't bring them over. They're all there, though, cut up and ready to go. <laughs> well, while they're running to get those, we'll uh, keep going with some of these things here. Not too many blanks for you to fill in tonight anyway. So to the angel of the church in Thyatira, write these things, says the Son of God, who has eyes like a flame of fire and his feet like fine brass. Now, generally, your feet being fine brass, uh, you don't want to be underneath feet. That's not a good place to be. Uh, it's not gold. It's brass. Brass is the judgment uh, metal. And eyes like a flame of fire, eyes that uh, they could just look through you and they could see the things and judgment would come out from that. He says in verse 19, I know your works. Now, this is what he tells us, tells all the folks. And of course, it's the exact same wording that he's used with all the previous churches. I know oida. I have an absolute knowledge of. In other words, I have been there. I've walked in your your midst. I've been around in your buildings, watched what you do. I know your works. Works is general. The general word for, for works there. I know your works. Love, service, faith, and your patience. Now, the only thing different from the Greek from how we have it here is that the Greek carries the article for each word. So when he says, I know your works, I know the love that you have, he's talking about, this is, of course, the word for agape, or the word agape, which is uh, the God kind of love. And they have the love. They have the right kind of love. I know your love, and I know it's the right kind of love. And this is the part where he's commending them, so this is not necessarily... Telling them anything, anything bad here. I know your works, the love, the service, the faith, and your patience. And again, it carries the article. It is talking about the, the, the uh, service that you have. And the service here, the word for service is the same Greek word we get the word deacon from. It is, is a word for service or ministry. He says, I know your works. I know, your, uh, know the love that you have. I know the service. These folks were very ministry-oriented. They looked for places to be in ministry. They looked for the ministry of other people. They looked for other people to have that, that ministry going on as well. And he says, I know your faith, that you have the faith, not just any kind of faith, you have the faith. That's good faith. So he says, you got good faith there. You have the faith and Patience. He's talking about faith and patience. We know they team up together to make a really good pairing. You have good, good patience. The um, word there for patience is the Greek word hupomene. It comes from two words. It means under and to abide. We talked about this before. To basically abide under. To stay. To, to not be moving around. It talks about endurance, consistency, enduring patience. Patient continuance, waiting. It means that when you are under the pressure, you don't move. That's what patience is. When, when you, I'm, I'm believing, this is mine. And when stuff comes against you, when bad reports come, what do you do? It's, it's mine. It's mine. I was just listening to Keith uh, Moore. He was telling the story of Brother hagan One of the times, Brother hagan was out in the road traveling, and you know that he had that. Uh, uh, a heart condition, a bunch of other conditions that were there, and he died a couple of times from it. But when he was out there on the road, one time one of these episodes came on his heart. This is—he's out in the ministry. Been years since he had anything like that, and this episode came on his heart. and He knew it real well because he died from it, and so it came on him, and the the this came up on the inside of him. Up, oh, you lost your healing, and this time you're not going to pull through. And so he just uh, he 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 took the, he heard that thought about it for a little bit then he just started laughing <laughs> he just started laughing about it and the devil said what are you laughing about he said because of what you said that i lost my healing that uh and i'm not going to get it i'm not going to get it back he said he said uh i didn't lose anything i still got my healing i don't have to get anything back and he just kept on laughing and the thing the the uh, whatever was going on with his heart went away never had another problem with it after that but that's why he wrote that book, How to Keep Your Healing. How do you, because a lot of people, as soon as they get that kind of a thought, as soon as that sort of thing comes in, they immediately let it go. They have no patience. They have no ability to continue. They have no endurance. This only comes from, from working out. you got to work out your faith. When stuff comes against you, that's your opportunity to work it out. And that's what you have to take it as uh, and, and do so. And understand, God is not trying to break your faith. It's the enemy that's trying to break it. But when he gives you those opportunities, you can make your faith stronger. And the stronger your faith, then the better you can handle the other stuff when it comes. Otherwise, you're just not ready. You're you're just not ready. It's like those, uh, you know, if you were going to go into the Army, the Marines, the Navy, and you're going to get ready for boot camp. And you know, boot camp is tough, all you do is physical exercise. From the time you get up to the time you go to bed, all you're doing is physical exercise. And they may, just for the, just for the fun of it, because somebody looked at them funny, you know, drop and give me whatever, or make, give me another five miles, or whatever it might be. And they just give you all this sort of stuff to do. Uh, now, no skin off their back, they're not running with you. They just tell you to go. So if you go into boot camp and you aren't prepared and you aren't ready, what's going to happen? See, you know it's coming, so in order to get yourself ready for that, you've got to start Put yourself out there, and you know, running a couple miles in the morning. Putting yourself in the weight room and, and lifting some weights. Getting yourself ready. If that's what you want to go out for, then you have to get out there and prepare. Well, just know, God has said your faith is going to be tested. It is going. He's. He. I'm not testing it, but your faith is going to be tested. So, get it ready. So he said, these these folks, they had the patience. They had the faith. What's interesting is this city. Probably has the uh, easiest time of all the Christians in the in the world then, because there was no real big uh, temple, there was no great persecution there was uh, there was not a big center for emperor worship or anything like that, so as far as all that was concerned the the church didn't have to go through a whole lot with that, but they still had it, and then we have the word for works repeated again, I know your works, love, service, faith, and your patience and and as for your works, the last Are more than the first. The last are more than the first. The word there for more means more in quantity, number, or quality. It's an increase. So he's saying your latter works are better in either their their better quality or they are more numerous than they were at the beginning. Now, there's two ways to interpret this. And I'm not telling you which way it is because I don't necessarily know. But there's two ways, two things that the, that the writer here could be referring to. First off, he could be saying, you have grown and you have matured, and the works that you are doing now are better than the works that you did when you first began. That's one way he could be meaning it. The other one could be this. He could be saying, the works that you are doing are better than the ones at the beginning, the first letter, which was the church of? Ephesus, which was the largest of the churches, the most influential, and if he's referring to that, he's saying that your works are even better than those. I'm not sure which way it is. We're just telling you, he's comparing it to one of the first, either the first when they started and how they are now, or the first letter, whichever way it is, he's paying them a good compliment here. Nevertheless, (laughs) now, of course, he has problems just about all the churches except for one or two. Nevertheless, I have a few things against you. You never want him to be against you. You never want him to have something uh, to, to pick on. But he actually says that in this one, I have a few things against you. A few things that you have going on that I am against that sort of thing. He says, because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Now, there's two ways you can look at this woman, Jezebel. First off, that's her literal name. And secondly, that's a figurative name. And there's really no definitive way to tell you. We don't know whether it's her literal name. I'm not sure who would have named her Jezebel. But understand, we are not in a Jewish city. These are Gentile people. And to them, Jezebel may not have been such a bad thing. When they named her, they probably weren't thinking anything. Jewish people, they wouldn't name her. Kid's Jezebel, more than likely, but she is more than likely not Jewish. Not born that way, anyway. Who calls herself a prophetess. Now, that right there, you can just tell from the way that he's phrasing that, that, uh, well, she calls herself one. <laughs> he's, he's not calling her one. The Lord Jesus is not calling her a prophetess. He's not against prophetesses. He's just saying, that one's not. Mm-hmm. That's all he's saying here. Who calls herself a prophetess? Beware of people go around putting titles on themselves. It's just not good. Let God put the title on you. Let the ministry that you have put the title on you. Don't worry about putting a title on yourself. You go around and you know got these people out there. They, oh, I'm, I'm apostle. I'm not so and so. I'm prophet. I'm prophetess. I'm this. I'm. just. Just be careful. You, you don't. You don't want to do that. You go around, you could be calling yourself something that you're not. And God could be saying, Well, you're calling yourself that. I'm not calling you that. And that's just not a good place to be. But that's where she was. She was calling herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual morality and eat things sacrificed to idols. Now, this commits sexual immorality, things, sacrificed to idols. This has to do with the worship that was going on that day. Again, this was not a center of any of these type of worship, but they did have that worship going on. So there were temples in there, but it was not, a, not uh, one of the cities known for a particular temple. They just had the uh, idolatrous worship going on because it went on in every city. So it certainly went on there. And she taught some things that allowed these folks to go in and participate with the things that were going on during the day. Now, we'll throw out this to you. You can take this as you, as you want it, but uh, there's a if, if you go up on YouTube, you can catch Rick Renner on, on some of these things, and uh, I caught another one of his on, on this one, where he is describing the Greek and the word that is there, and he actually brings in some other people who says the same thing that when it talks about this woman, Jezebel, it's actually speaking about a specific woman almost to the effect of saying, your woman. Now, who is the letter to? It is not to the church. It is to the pastor of the church. It is to the church, obviously, but it's specifically to the pastor of the church. So if there is a definitive defining of the woman, the woman would be... The pastor's wife. Whoa. (laughs) Can you imagine that? It could possibly be the pastor's wife who is the Jezebel. Hmm. Now, again, the pastor of the church, he's not necessarily Jewish either. He's just the pastor of the church. So marrying someone named Jezebel may not have been a problem when he married her. Now, we'll go through this, and we'll find out she is born again, or at least was. It's not like she was a false Christian. And then he, at, at some point, she made a genuine conversion, and we're going to see why as we, we go on here. But this, just letting you know, We're not saying, I can't say definitively. Uh, Brother Rick says a little more definitively than, than I'll say that it is. The, but there is a woman in the church. It is very possible that the woman is the pastor's wife which would certainly give her some pull in the church and some, some ability in there, there to do some stuff. He says, because you allow. The word there, to allow, means to let be, permit, to leave alone, to commit, to uh, basically, to, to, when, when she's going off and teaching in this stuff, to just no th- just let it go. Well, you know, we'll go ahead and let that. Now, again, this this is the church, they like ministry. They look for people to be in ministry. She called herself a prophetess, more than likely, that came along with some supernatural things going on in her. Again, she was born again. She did have a point in her life where she did turn her life over to God. And maybe some things were going on that were true. Or there's another possibility for this as well we skip on down your outline you're going to see this um, there is let me see if I can find it where I put it in your outline I know I put it in there somewhere Uh, there is a either a woman's name or a position in this particular city called the Sambathé. either that's the woman's name or it is a position in the church she was a a fortune teller uh, operated a, a position oversaw the altar at one of the uh, one of the uh, temples that was there, uh, had great influence over the city. It is possible that this Jezebel was under her or influenced by her in some way, but it does seem that this Jezebel came out of some occultic background, some uh, black magic, as you will, some of that uh, uh, satanic aspect of things before she got saved and had come from that. And a lot of times when people come from a certain thing, they try and bring that into their spiritual walk. We saw that a couple of times with people who came from a witchcraft background and tried to bring that witchcraft aspect of things into what they were doing for God. And they were rebuked for it. It is possible that this woman also was was, uh, doing the same thing here. But she came out of that background, possibly. But I would give her a great testimony, right? By today's standard, I mean, if you got a, if you're a murderer, if you rob banks, if you uh, mm-hmm. um, were, uh, came out of the occult and stuff like that, people, everybody wants to hear your testimony. I never did. I just uh, people have that testimony. I just I wouldn't go to them. I, did, I didn't want to hear because most of the time I listened to heard those things. They sit there and bragging about what devil, the devil did for them for all those years, and then they spend five minutes on what God did. Why do I want to go hear that? That to me is not a testimony. I just, uh, I don't enjoy that sort of thing. Some people really do, and they, uh, they go to that. They, you know, they write books and they have all this sort of stuff about it, and they sell all kinds of books. I don't buy the books. Probably none of you do either, but some people do, and that's how they, they go out and they, they do this sort of thing. I'd rather read off of somebody who stayed with God, followed after God. How did you uh, stay with God all that time? That's more interesting for me. But she's called Jezebel. So let's take a look at it this way. Either she is called Jezebel, and this is a new Jezebel with bringing in new, new things, or she's called Jezebel as a figurative type or um, of what would have happened in the old times. If we look at the Jezebel of the Old Testament, the Jezebel of the Old Testament came in, Ahab married her, and she came in. She was a Baal worshiper, and she brought Baal worship in to the uh, nation of Israel. And Ahab didn't stand up to her, and Baal worship became more and more prevalent. If you really want a fun study on this, take a look at Baal worship and the tribe of Dan and the effect that it had upon them. But we're not going to get into all that here tonight, Um, but you can check that out if you want to. So she came in and, uh, I guess at first, probably tried to combine the worship of Baal and the worship of Jehovah, because most people who are false try and combine first, and then once we have the, com- the combining going on, then we try and get rid of all the other stuff that we don't want to, all the Christianized stuff. This is what the Rome did with Christianity when they brought in and they legalized Christianity under Constantine. And they brought in all the pagan worship and made them into Christian holidays. And then slowly began to wean off the Christian meaning of a lot of the things. And, and uh, that's, a, that's how you can corrupt the church. So she came in, she tried to combine the worship of Jehovah and Baal, but most of the time we see it, it seemed like Jehovah was kind of getting already pushed out. She she was an influencer of Ahab, strongly influenced Ahab. In fact, it's told us in the Word of God that she inspired him to do so much more evil than all the kings that were before, and she was the inspiration behind it. She was a manipulator and a murderer, and you see that in First Kings 21, 1 through 16. She manipulated situations, she manipulated people, and she'd murder anybody who got in her way. She tried to discredit any real prophet, including Elijah and others. She locked them up, would kill them, discredit them, whatever they would do. And this is the way that it always has been. We went over this before. People who cannot defeat you in the realm of ideas and discussion will try to discredit you should already tell you not to go after anybody like that. And then the last thing, she was prophesied to be eaten by dogs. And she was. Not a real good end for, a, for anyone, for uh, that matter. But this woman, she likely came, as we said, she likely came out of the occult and could have come out of Sambathe, either the office that was there, the whoever was in that office, or that particular person. Uh, probably flourished in the spiritual office of the church and likely had some supernatural aspects to what she did. There were probably some supernatural aspects and why she got the title of prophetess. There's probably something going on. And when people, you know, she could take that title and people would see, they saw something and she could have brought, gone and dipped back into the occult area that she had been in, don't know. Uh, her husband was was weak if he was the pastor. And um, didn't control her in the church, from the aspect that he was the pastor, he was supposed to keep tabs on what was being taught there, and he didn't do it. He was controlled by her. He was weak, and he was controlled by her. He did not. He let her do whatever she was going to teach in there, and you got to be careful about that. Uh, uh, the temptation is c- is continually. Uh, I, I tell you, just just from a pastor standpoint, the temptation is to kick out all guest ministers completely, because if you kick them all out and you don't have any in, you don't have to deal with with the stuff that they teach. That's uh, that's one way to do it, but that's not always the best way to <laughs> to go at it. So you know, we keep trying to bring in uh, people, but sometimes people come in and they teach something that either we're not sure about or is not right. We bring in people. And they do things in the area of prophecy, and they prophesy over people. I've told you before, when people start prophesying over folks, I don't care who it is, I'll go around and I'll check on people. Did that minister to you? Did that witness something to you? And sometimes we've had people that have come through the church here, and the majority of them, no, it didn't. The majority of them, no, it didn't at all. No, I, I don't know what that was about. Now, sometimes I'm listening to some of the prophecies that go on, and I can say, oh, I know what that situation is. All right, I, I don't have to ask them. I already know because I, I know some of the things are going on with them. But sometimes I'm not sure. I said, well, that doesn't, I don't know of anything in their life that that would have ministered to, so I'll sometimes just pull them aside or catch them by the door before they get out. No one else is around there. Did that minister to you? No. No, I don't know what they were talking about. All right, you know, and now, now it's... it's I'm not saying that they have to hit everything on there. Sometimes you can miss it, and that's that's fine. They're they're giving an honest uh, attempt, and and sometimes it goes beyond that. Uh, But you do have to be careful about it because folks like the prophetic. People are drawn to the prophetic. They like somebody to speak something to them by the Holy Spirit. And I am amazed at not not Christians here in this church, but just general. (laughs) I am amazed at what people will take. And swallow when it is administered prophetically. That if a person stood up there and taught it, they they would slam the door on it. But because it was administered prophetically. They receive it. I get amazed at that. I I, to this day, I, I just don't understand how how you can switch that. Um. People may—I listen to some things people are uh, prophesying—and just say, "All right, well, first off, how is that in line with the Word of God?" If it's not in line with the Word of God, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I'll put it out of my head. I won't even think about it again it's not in line with the Word of God. But there are areas of prophecy that are not going to line up with the Word of God. That are just—it's an area of prophecy. God is speaking something to you in in your life and in what's going on. So you have to judge it by the Word of God. It won't line up with the Word of God. But it won't be out of line with the word of God. And that's what you have to, to check out. And as Brother Higgins always tell us, if somebody prophesies something over you and it doesn't witness to you, put it on the back burner until something else comes on up. And then you can check it out with that. But people liked the supernatural and people can come in. And um, I've seen ministries on TV and no value at all. None. I mean, I listened to some, some of the things I taught and I said that it's just pure garbage. That's like going down and sitting down for dinner and eating nothing but tasty cakes. <laughs> I mean, it tastes good, but it does absolutely nothing for you. And, you know, you might look forward to sitting down and eating a bunch of tasty cakes, but it's just not going to have a real lasting effect. In fact, your stomach might get a little bit upset from it after a while, having all that uh, wrong stuff in there and it may not, might not like that all that well, but people will do it. Uh, there's no substance to it, there's, and, you, and you listen to it and say, "Ah, oh, that's uh, there, there's there's no substance here. There's no no food. There's there's not even bread, let alone meat." But they utter a few things prophetically, and then people get all excited. I've heard some people, good name. I mean, if I mentioned some of the names, you would know them, who have prophesied some things that I say. That doesn't even line up with the Word of God. That's out of line with the Word of God. How do, how do you and we'll just say, well, we'll just sit around and you know we'll see what this, and it ne- never did come about. Of course, a lot of times they just say, well, just it's not for yet. Uh huh. You can just keep on saying that, but uh, we have to be careful because we're drawn to the supernatural, and the area of prof- prophecy is just a very supernatural area, and we tend to we tend to be drawn to it. We just got to be watchful. Sometimes we've had people in here, and you know they've uh, prophesied some things over over folks. I mean, Dave Husky—he's come out here, and he has operated into prophetic, and he's prophesied over people. And uh, I've checked out some of the things that he's he's done. And well, I'm sorry to say, he's wrong. No, he's not. I'm just messing with you. I wouldn't have mentioned his name if he was that way. (laughs) No, Dave has uh, has done real well. we, We enjoyed some of the ways that he would minister prophetically with with folks, and. Uh, he was uh, uh, never got into a thing, into a wrong area of that where he's trying to guide people into a certain thing, didn't hype folks in, in that area, just gave them a, a real good solid thing and, and was very careful all the way. Along. I just watched him all the time. He would do it very careful all on the whole process. Does this minister something to you? Is this uh, lining up with what you know? And he'd even tell them, if it doesn't, throw it out, put it on the back burner, <laughs> and he'd tell them that. But then you have other people, and they don't come out of it that way. And if you don't receive the thing that they prophesied over you, then they, uh, they roast you. And that's not right. That's not the way that it should be. There, there should be a humbleness from that spirit of a prophet. This lady does not have that. This lady is intentionally trying to seduce people. When, you, when the Word of God uses a word like seduce, it is describing a situation where however, you want these people to do something that you know is not right. So in order to get them to do it, you've got to entice with wrong things to, to get them to, to come in. You know, the, the little kids, I, I know I'm not supposed to ride with strangers, but he had candy, <laughs> right? <laughs> he had some new shoes for me. They had uh, some sneakers, some like, some They had some new shoes. I wanted the new shoes. I wanted the whatever. It was. They had a game All right, well, you're not supposed to. I know you're not supposed to. But I'm not a stranger. My name is. So we're not strangers anymore. And I I just want to give this game. Will you come on over here? What are they trying to do? I I know you're not supposed to do this. But hmm, when he uses the word like seduce. So she's there here to seduce the people into this. She knows this is not right. She calls herself a prophetess to teach and seduce. So she stood in an area where she called herself a prophetess, but she also stood in an area to be a teacher for the purpose of seduction. By teaching certain things and by using what she had in the area of prophecy, she lured people into doing what they otherwise knew was wrong. And what the Lord is telling the pastor here is, I've got this against you. You've allowed this to continue. This is going to get more bizarre as we get into this letter because there's something coming up that just will blow your mind in this letter. Sure, it blew my mind when I looked at it. Because you allow, you permit, you leave alone the situation where a woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce. My servants, there was, a, there was a time here in the history of the church that we brought somebody in, a ministry that I knew really well and enjoyed them. And they taught and did something that was against what we did as a church. And it was one of those times, you know, a while ago, we always had both sides going on. And it was during this time when I was over in the next door watching over that side. And they had to go on over this side. And I got word of it. People came up to me and said, this went on over here. Oh. I was so shocked that friends of mine would have gotten involved with this and that they would have brought the church into it while I was not there. I was undergoing all that talk. But I knew (laughs) you can't let it go. So I took my friends. We took them out to lunch. And I said, you did this last night. You won't do it again. You can do it wherever else you go, but here in this church, we don't do it. We don't go that way. And I said, I don't expect you to teach anything about how I am wrong in that. We had one more night to go in the meetings. We finished the night of the meeting. I stayed over here the entire time. <laughs> I did not go next door and watch what was going on with the kids. I stayed here the entire time. We went through. It was a very subdued meeting. No one really knew why it was subdued. I knew why it was subdued. And they went on and they'd never come back again. They're friends of mine. But that was wrong stuff. It was r- wrong things to get into. You, you can't let it go on. You can't let it continue. And it's, uh, it's I'll tell you what, that's one of the harder things of pastoring a church. is dealing with that. We've had people who've come into the church. We've had special meetings. And they try and bring their special things along with them. And that's not something you want to deal with in the middle of the service. But there are times we had to deal with that in the middle of a the service. Like, there was one time in particular, a person in the back started doing something that we don't do here, and I want not to, to go on here. And they went in the back and did it, and I went, got right on back there and got next to him and says, we don't do that here. Really, I, I had to stop? Yeah, you got to stop. And they stopped. And uh, I don't think we ever saw them again after that. That's okay with me. That's all right. It is more my role to protect what's here than invite more in. That's more my role. and So that's what we have to, to try and, and do. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's, you never get to the point where you're, you're, you're confronting these folks and you're always wondering, am I missing it? Am I sure that this is not, that we're not putting the brakes on something that God wants to do? And, uh, I mean, most times I am, but there are some times that I say, well, God, if if this is something that you want to do and I'm resistant to it, please let me know. Because I don't want to put the brakes on something that that should be going on. Um, But you just can't let it go on. These folks may have looked at it, may have wondered about it, but they let it go on. And they let it continue. And you have to um, uh, be careful. We had one woman who was in the church and she gave out a lot of prophecies. And uh, a lot of them were very specific and I'll tell you what, I kept tabs on her like you do not know. And I would tell her, I am checking up on you. I said, if you give a word out to somebody, just know I am, on, I am on the phone to them. I am talking to them after the service. There was not a time she gave a word that I wasn't sure it was good, it was God, that I didn't talk to that person. Was that something? Yeah, it did minister to me. It is, all right. <laughs> and, uh, and I'll tell you what, she was on the, on the ball. Uh, her methods were a little weird at times, but she was on the ball. She was, she was uh, in line there. And that's what we had to, you, you just got to keep, keep, you know, you got to separate the personality from the message sometimes. And um, that's not always the easiest thing to do, but you do have to watch that. So anyway, these, these folks let this thing go on because you allow that woman, Jezebel, who calls herself a prophetess, to teach and seduce. Well, if it's true that this was the pastor's wife, well, he wouldn't stop her from getting in the pulpit and teaching, I guess. Or, or teaching wherever it was that she was, she was teaching that, and just uh, uh, ministering some of these things that would be be going on, and hmm, you got to be careful to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual immorality. Now he calls the people that she is teaching my servants, that even though they're going after her, falling into these things. Committing to sexual morality and eating sacrificed idols, what's he still call them? My servants. Hmm. Now remember, back in the beginning of this, we saw that the, he, he calls these lampstands gold. And yet all we're looking at is tarnished, it seems like. <laughs> There's a whole lot of not so pretty stuff going on, but he still called them gold to teach and seduce my servants to commit sexual morality and eat things sacrificed to idols. In other words, they were getting involved with all the things that were going on. Remember the labor unions that would meet in the temples? The uh, meat markets that were in the temples? The uh, prostitution that would go on in the temples? And she is somehow teaching doctrine along the lines of what Balaam, the doctrine of Balaam and the the, um, uh, Nicolaitans. That yeah, go ahead and be part of the world. We gotta be part of the world. If we're gonna reach them, we gotta be part of the world. And she was teaching them this and no one was stopping her. Yep, we gotta be careful of that. So some of the things that uh this one was, she her husband, as he said, was weak willed and controlled by her. And she was a manipulator and probably taught a mixture of occult and Bible teaching. Again, if that was her background, if that's what she came out of, then she probably taught a mixture of it, especially since she was operating in areas that seemed to support the life of a prophetess. And God says, I'm not calling her a prophetess. So what she is doing is apart from God. What she's doing in that ministry a prophetess is apart from God. Uh, she was antichrist and discredited those who were real and would come up against her. So anyone that would try and come against her or, or uh, show that she was not right, she would come against them strongly. And discredit them. Because you can't, you can't win in the idea of debate. If you're going to debate the Bible, she's going to lose. So she can't do that there. We have to go out into, uh, into other areas and, and do that. It's just like, you know, the world of science here in this, this uh, day and age. I, I just uh, saw this thing, this one woman, I forgot her name. Oh, I had her name on the tip of my tongue. Uh, that woman who wrote the uh, book about birds, that birds were dying because of the use of DDT. Remember that woman? What was it? Salad Springs, was that the name? Of the? Can't th- I can't think of the author's name. But anyway, it has come out. I, I don't know if it came out just recently, and that's why I heard about it, or if it came out before, that she based her book completely on made-up evidence. It's not even factual. It's all made-up evidence. Every bit of it was made up. Even the people that were around when she was writing it said, there's no support. The, birds are, the bird population is not dying. There are more birds than there were before. But she wrote this thing up and accused DDT of affecting the eggs of the birds. And so DDT was banned from uh, a number of countries. India still uses it. But Africa was one of the ones that uh, didn't use it or we didn't send it over there. Somehow that was affected. And what was it? 50 million African children died since they stopped using it, and I'm not not sure what the span of time was for that, but it's the number of African children that have died. It's just in the one nation, one one country, Africa. The number of African children that have died because DDT was stopped. And there was no factual evidence on it at all. It was a completely made-up book. She made up the evidence to sell the book. And we made a whole policy on it and dropped the use of this, and people died. And that's just one continent, Africa. And that's just the number of the kids. And malaria is a terrible disease. We were close to almost wiping it out with the use of DDT. It was such an effective thing against uh, mosquitoes, and it was taken out. Now, India still uses it, and India has no trouble with the birds. But that's, that's uh, one of those things. We don't want to debate in the area of ideas. They've NASA. Did you see NASA's thing? NASA just released, and you know, the, the global warming people hate this. They just released that CO2 does not cause the Earth to warm. They said, if anything, it causes the Earth to cool. But we actually have higher CO2 levels over the last decade, and the temperatures are lower. We're talking degrees here, one or two degrees. It's nothing major. But they won't bring that out. And of course, anybody who stands up against it is what? Yeah, we just got to, they come against you and they, it's, it's just, it's, you can't swallow that. So they do. It's the spirit of Antichrist. They discredit those who are real so that they don't expose what is false. You have to discredit what is real so as not to expose what is false. So she is pretending to be in the move of God, but she is against the real move of God. She claimed to be a prophetess and a teacher, but God called her a seducer. If you, I forgot to put this in my outline. Would you pull up First, Second uh, Peter, one chapter, chapter one, verse twenty-one. Second Peter, one twenty-one. For prophecy never came by the will of man, but holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. The word of there actually means from, holy men from God. That when people spoke by prophecy, they were sent by God. God sent them. And he's saying to this woman, I didn't send her. And she's out there saying stuff, I didn't send her. Go over to Second Peter 2, verse 1. But there were also false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. Look at this. But there, will be, there were also false prophets among the people. There were. What's he talking about? Old Testament. There were false prophets among the people, even as there will be false teachers among you. He is equating the Old Testament office of a prophet with a New Testament office of a teacher. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies? The, King, the New King James has translated this beautifully. I could dig out the Greek, but I don't have to. The New King James put it all in there. If you compare it to the King James, you will see where the King James had problems and covered up a lot of the meaning of this. But we got the right meaning here. We're just going to go over that. Who will secretly bring in destructive heresies? When you bring in something secretly, it is because you know... To, to, to bring it in openly would be wrong. And so we, we don't want to bring it in secretly because uh, I'm trying to smuggle it in. You know, somebody who smuggles something across the border, I know it's with me, but I am trying to secretly bring it in. It's not a mistake. It's a deliberate attempt to bring it in. Anybody see that article? I put it up on Facebook. I just came upon it. The uh, Eagle Scout who um, drove up to the school, he's a senior. Uh, great student, great student in, in the class, and an active church member, the article goes over. He was out skeet shooting with his buddies the day before and left in his truck the gun he was using and pulled into the high school. And I didn't realize it until he went to the back to reach for his school bag and saw the gun there. So he took the school bag out. You can't leave the school property now because once they have you in there, they don't want you to be leaving on out. So he walked into the office asked to use the phone to call his mom. He said, Mom, I have left the gun in the truck. Can you come by the school and help me out? They overheard the conversation. They sent people out to the locked truck, saw the gun, had him arrested and uh, expelled from school for a period of 365 days. He will not graduate. He will not be able to go to to college, all because he tried to do the right thing is that horrendous again 2010 1478 people who applied for a gun permit should not have done so and broke the law and the Obama administration prosecuted 44 1478 applications were only 2% of all the applications actually got kicked out. Only Can you believe that? Out of 100% of the applications, only 2% got kicked out. But of that 1,478, only 44 were prosecuted. You know how many were punished? 13, exactly. 13. But here's a guy who realized he made a mistake, but it's just uh, gets so irritated, these kind of things. But again, he was an active church member. (laughs) It brings that out in the story. Eagle Scout tried to do the right thing. He's not smuggling it in. He accidentally brought it in and then tried to do the right thing. These are people who know what I am bringing in is not going to be accepted, is not going to be right. Secretly bring in destructive heresies. The word there, destructive heresies, is exactly what it is. These are heresies that when they get in will destroy. They will destroy. And the whole purpose to bring these things in is we have a structure in place that as long as that is in place, we can't bring in what is false. So we must bring in these heresies that will undermine the faith of some as the Word of God puts it in one place, and cause them shipwreck. This is what they got to do. But we got to do it secretly because if we bring these things in, people will see it. So we got to secretly bring it in. Destructive heresies, even denying the Lord who bought them and bring on themselves swift destruction, even denying the Lord who bought them. Apparently, these people were at one time born again because it says that the Lord bought them and they even denied the Lord. Go on to verse 2. And many, isn't that amazing? And many will follow their destructive ways because of whom the way of truth will be blasphemed. How that happens is that the way of truth, we say we follow the way of truth and then we start doing all these weird things. What's that church down in Florida? Um, West, West something Baptist? What is that? I can't think of what it is. You think... I mean, the ones that show up at all the funerals and protest and do all this sort of stuff. I mean, West—what is it, Westboro? What is it? I think it sounds like. It's about, right. Okay, whatever it is, you know, Westbrook's—it's West something. <laughs> whatever it is, I don't want to keep—I don't try not to keep them in my forefront of my mind. But these are people who do what? Cause the way of truth to be blasphemed. Can you see where a destructive doctrine has gotten into that church? And they have adopted things and believe that they have a right to go out to somebody's funeral and mess it up in that way. Oh. Many will follow their destructive ways. It is amazing how many people will follow the way of destruction. Go on to verse 3. By covetousness, they will exploit you with deception. They become covetous. They want certain things and you're the way to get. they're going to get there. They will exploit you with deceptive words. They are covetous and they will stir up in you the idea that you need to have something that someone else has. That's what they want to do. They want to stir up in you. You need to have something that someone else has. You need to covet. They've got something. It's not right. They have it. You need to have it. And they're going to get you into a certain area. For a long time, their judgment has not been idle. <laughs> God says it may have not. He may not be seen it, but this judgment is not idle. It is coming. And their destruction does not slumber. God says, these people that are in here in the church doing this sort of thing in the in, in the world, bring their destruction's coming. And when it comes, oh man, is it going to be bad? It's going to be bad. Don't get on there. Don't get anybody who wants to teach you anything that causes you to covet what someone else has, get out. Get out. Word of God tells us, be content. With what you got. You can always be out there looking for, for more and going after more, but you don't need to step on anybody else to get there. God can bless you and He can bless the person next to you just as much. He has, he's a big God. And just because the person next to you is rich and the person on the other side of you is rich doesn't mean you can't be. Just because they have stuff doesn't mean you can't have stuff. God has a, a whole lot of stuff and He's got a big world. And He wants to, where's Burrow? Yeah, there you go. He's got a a big world to tap into. You let him do it. Verse uh, 21, Revelation chapter 2. This is something. And I gave her time to repent. What does that tell you? Mercy, but she was born again. She was born again. She made a conversion. It was genuine. I gave her time to repent. I gave her time to to turn around for that of her sexual immorality and she did not repent. Now, if it's true that this is the wife of the pastor and he's saying of her sexual immorality, whether it's spiritual or figurative, whatever, I've heard one person say, whatever whatever affects you spiritually will eventually affect you physically. And I gave her time to repent of her sexual immorality. God gave her time even though while she was there she's bringing other people into this stuff. And she did not repent. What does, when you read this, what does that that tell you about the time? To me, it means time's up. I gave her time. That's past tense, isn't it? He doesn't say I'm giving her time. He said, I gave her time to repent of her sexual morality and she did not repent. I think it's over for her. (laughs) I think it's done. At the time of this letter is written, it's done. So I think she's done. Indeed, I will cast her into a sickbed that is properly translated. If you have a King James Bible, it says, I will cast her into bed. No. Properly translated this way. I will cast her into a sickbed of those who commit adultery with her in great tribulation unless they repent of their deeds. So I'm going to cast her into sickbed and those who commit adultery with her into great tribulation unless they, who's the they? Those who followed her. I think her fate's already done. But those who follow her, if they don't repent, then they're going in the same place she is. So they, get, they still got maybe a little bit more time. I will kill her children with death. <laughs> what children? Well, the people that are born of the, whatever it is that she's teaching. The people that are coming after her. Because a lot of times when you see this kind of a false teacher get into a church People gravitate to that person, and if you come against that person, you get the wrath of all those people. Mm-hmm. Those are her children, in other words, mm-hmm. those are the ones that are saying, "I don't care what's right. you're coming after my uh, uh, person I, I, I like." Mm-hmm. Mentor, there you go. I will kill her children with death, and all the churches shall know that I am he who searches the mind, minds and the hearts. I am. The one who searches the minds and the hearts. He searches both. And I will give to each one of you according to your works. (laughs) I see what you're doing. I know which way you're followed after. And I'm going to give to you under your works. If you followed after this lady, this is where you're going. If you did not, so be it. Now, here is a really confusing verse. Now to you, I say. Who's he speaking to? The The messenger, right? Now to you. I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine. So here's the one group over here, those who follow after what this gal's been teaching. And here's this one over here who don't. Now to you, I say, what does that tell you about the pastor? Look at it. Let me read the whole thing. Now to you, I say, and to the rest in Thyatira, as many as do not have this doctrine. It means the pastor don't have this doctrine. If it is true that it's the pastor's wife, can you imagine the pastor's wife having this doctrine and him not? That she exercised control over him, but he did not swallow the doctrine. I think it's, I think it's just absolutely amazing. So that's, that's why I'm not quite sure that <laughs> it could be the pastor's wife or that. Brother Rick is far more definitive on that than I would be. Who have not known the depths of Satan, as they say, I will put you No, I will put no other burden. I will put on you no other burden. So the pastor's not involved with this, as far as we can tell. He's um, from this scripture. He's pretty much not involved with this particular teaching, but he's not stopping it. He hasn't bought into it, but he hasn't seen fit to stop it. Those, as many as you do not have this doctrine, who have not known the depths of Satan. Interesting word here who have not known the depths of Satan, false teachers always offer something deep or something not known by others. False teachers always offer something deep or something not known by others. They always have a unique doctrine. They always got to come along with something new. Well, no one else has ever taught this before. No one else has ever saw this before, but I've seen it. Be careful. And you can come out with some deep teaching. We we got some teachers out there, and they teach some deep stuff. But it's all consistent with the rest of Scripture. But when you got somebody who wants to teach you something deep, it's out of one verse of Scripture, and no one else in the Word of God has done it. Mm-mm. He says, "I will put no other burden, I will put on you no other burden." In other words, you've resisted this. So that's good. I'm not going to put that kind of a judgment on you that I'm putting on them. But hold fast what you have till I come. So take what you got. Remember all the good stuff that they said. I know your works. I know the, the love that you have. I know the faith that you have. I know the patience that you have. He says, hold on to what you got. What you got is good. Hang on to that. Can you imagine in this type of an atmosphere with this kind of false teaching going on and a prominent person in the church teaching it, some people gravitating to it, and some people not in the midst of that. They got people with real genuine faith, real genuine love, real genuine patience. I think it's amazing. But hold fast what you have till I come. And he who overcomes and keeps my works until the end, to him I will give power over the nations. They will rule. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. They shall be dashed to pieces like the potter's vessels, and I also have received from my father. They shall be dashed to pieces. Like the potter's vessel. Take that potter's vessel and you just take it, throw it against the ground, throw it against the rocks, just dashes into pieces. That's what's going to happen there. Same kind of picture you get from Daniel when the rock lands on the image. And I will give him the morning star. That's a very confusing part of the, the letter here. Mm-hmm. I will give to him the morning star. Now, the morning star, we see that a number of times. It's referring to Jesus mm-hmm. as, the, as the morning star. Uh, but you know that the morning star also has reference to Lucifer? Yeah. And you have to get into some of the Latin to see some of it, but uh, there is a reference in, in in the in the word that once you see some of the translations of it and such, that seems to call him the morning star as well. So it, now you can translate it one way or the other. Either it's the Lord Jesus or it's Satan. So if you, if you look at that as being the Lord Jesus, he's saying, I'm going to give you part of me. You're going to get a part of me. And that, that's real, real good. But... They're facing false doctrine, which comes from where? Satan. Satan. He says, I'm going to give you the morning story. <laughs> That's another way you can look at it. That the enemy that you're facing right now, I'm going to give them to you. If you hang on to what you got in the midst of all this stuff, you hang on to what you got, I'm going to give you that enemy. Either way, it's a neat verse, whichever way that it is. Can't really tell you which way that it's uh, definitely going. But they knew. They certainly knew. And I will give him the morning star. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. He who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. This verse 28, I will give him the morning star. There was a um, friend of mine that I had when I was growing up, and he heard this scripture read, and it inspired him. Morning star, morning star. And he eventually started a recording studio, and he called it, Morning Star Recordings. It's over in Ambler, and in fact, I looked it up on the. I, I took mine. And said, oh, I remember Glenn. He was he's going to name his studio after this. I wonder if he's still around. So I did a little search on it. I found his website, but I'm not sure if he's still over there or not. I saw the number. I said, I think I'm going to give him a call to say hi. <laughs> and uh, he, he nobody answered the phone, so I don't know if it's <laughs> 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 I don't know what's going on with that. But they actually named their recording studio after this. Uh, he who has an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Be careful of folks, especially right now. We got a whole lot of things going on. People like the supernatural. We got a lot of supernatural falseness that's going on, and people are drawn to it. I put in your outline: all that goes bang is not from God. (laughs) Just because there's some supernatural pop to it, does not mean that God has anything to do with it. Just as much as this woman, who was called herself a prophetess, and God says, "Ah, I didn't call her that. In mine. She's not doing what I told her to do. There are people out there in our day who will call themselves prophets, prophetesses, apostles, whatever title they want to throw on themselves. They're going to throw something out there. And the Word of God says, by their intentions, you shall know them. No, it's not that. By the big Bible they carry. By the supernatural signs. No, by... Their works. And what are the works? Is it supernatural healing? Is it signs and wonders? The works are real evident. Faith, hope, patience, long-suffering, gladness, goodness. Those are things you can't imitate. You look for the people who have those as traits. You look for those people that are that way when they're in the pulpit and that way when they're out of the pulpit. They're that way when they're ministering under the anointing of God and that way when they're not under the anointing of God. That's the people that are genuine. The people that are one way when they're under the anointing supposedly and another way when you see them out in the street, when you're interacting, that's not the right thing. By their works, you will know them. A lot of times Christians are judging people by the works that they do under the lights of the stage. And we're not supposed to be doing that. That's why we fall into error. That's why we go into the wrong direction. Father, we thank you for the help that you give us. You knew just as you wrote this letter to these folks that there are going to be some churches out there. Maybe they're not facing all that greater persecution, but they are facing some terribly awful wrong teaching that is setting out to undermine the very foundation. They need to be on guard against that. And in the midst of false teaching going on around like that, In the midst of all this came real, genuine, true faith, real, genuine, true love, that some people had these in them and some people did not. Some people had picked up this doctrine, this false doctrine, and some people did not. And you showed us that there was a real strong division between those who did and those who did not participate, those who did not participate in the false doctrine. Had some real genuine stuff going on. Father, I thank you that you help us to pull out what is false and to pursue what is true. Mm -hmm. To have works that are worthy of you. That when you say, I know your works, that you can say some good things about us. We look forward to that. We thank you for the letters to the churches. The letters to us that we can learn from. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen.